Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live, giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Leeds United Live with myself, Conor McGilligan, your multimedia producer and your Leeds United writer, Baron Cross. And we are here to discuss everything Leeds United at the minute. The relegation picture is shaping up. Baron, how are you doing? <laughs> in the circumstances, I'm not too bad. It's uh, The weather's not been too bad in Leeds the last few days. Mm. Um yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> life away from football is great. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough, isn't it? At the moment, it is really, really tough. Um, should we just should we, should we just stick on that? What have you What have you been doing? Any trips to Nairsborough or York or anything <laughs> like that? Do you want to just talk about you know things like that? Maybe. No, 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 nothing, nothing like that. It's um, okay. it's um, yeah, it's just escapism, isn't it, from the football? It's just <laughs> when I'm when we're not having to write about the football life's life's just a bit a bit rosier at the moment. It's um. Yeah. It's tough to get away from the league table, isn't it? I think um, we're all doing our best to try and remain level-headed and neutral and, and objective. Um, but but the league table speaks for itself, and you know I don't think anybody wants to sugarcoat anything. I think it, you know, the table is the way it is, and ultimately Leeds need to win some games and some games that maybe we don't expect them to win. Yeah, hundred percent. I think so. And 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 I mean, we were just discussing off air the permutations and what can happen and, and what might not happen. And everybody in the comment section, get your thoughts in. We'll flash them up on screen. We're really interested to hear what you guys think of, of Leeds' predicament at the minute. Two team, two of the teams have been involved in it as well. But I think probably the, the best place to start, Baron, is maybe reflecting on the Man City game. If you haven't checked Baron's post-match out, please do go check it out. It was a couple of videos before this one. It's well worth the watch. Any... Other, thought, other thoughts um, after the game, Baron? Have you processed anything? Have you thought to yourself, mm, yeah, that and mm, yeah, that? Well, the big development since that video, of course, was 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 Goodison Park and Everton beating Chelsea yeah. somehow, which um, which really stuck the boot in. I think that was the one thing I was clinging to in that video and telling people that if Everton can draw that game or lose it, then I think people can probably sort of make at least some peace with it. But if Everton's going to beat, you know, third place Chelsea, truly, truly remarkable. Um and yeah, I mean, like I've said, it makes it very, very hard to kind of t- to to sort of sugarcoat things and look at it. I mean, they have got a game in hand and they're only two points back and we all know the goal difference is effectively an extra point. Um, mm-hmm. That was one of the big things that hit me on Saturday was the table had eventually levelled out after all this time. Finally, Burnley and, Ever- uh, Burnley and Leeds won the same games played, same points, and yet Leeds are 19 goals back from Burnley, which... Which really kind of drove home the the perilous situation with it, with as I've said, Leeds effectively needing an extra point to get ahead of Burnley. So um, I think since then, I mean, it's hard to process too much because the City game was always going to be a write-off. You know, we never really expected much from that game. So you then you sort of left with your thoughts after the Palace game and even before that, and it's just yeah, there's four there's four to play and. Um, it's really, really tough to see them getting anything at Arsenal either. I mean, Arsenal are absolutely flying, going for the Champions League. 
at Emirates, which hasn't been a particularly happy hunting ground. I know when we went there in the FA Cup a couple of years ago, when uh, Leeds were in the Championship, they played really well and ultimately lost that game 1-0 in the second half, but played really, really well in the first half, if people can remember. Hmm. Since then, it's been tough. You know, got got thoroughly outplayed last season under Bielsa. Um, I think it was 4-1, 4-2 maybe in the end. I've seen from Acosta scoring or having an impact from the bench. Um, and of course, went back there in the cup earlier this season with a, with a much rotated side, which of course people won't really read too much into. But uh, it's not going to be easy um, going on Sunday, as I say, with Arsenal, with Arsenal in great form. Chelsea is the only one that that maybe people can at least try and find some some reasons and, and some sort of optimism. Um, Chelsea, if anybody doesn't know, will will have the FA Cup three or four days after. Is it three days after or four? Three, it's yeah. three, isn't it? Yeah, three days. So you would hope. Um, they're going to be much rotated and much distracted. But, of course, as ever, it's just um, Leeds has looked at suddenly Chelsea's top four place is now, for some reason, looking under threat because they keep dropping points, i.e. at Goodison Park. And all of a sudden, they may not be able to take their eye off that that game against Leeds as, as much as they previously could have done because all of a sudden, Spurs and Arsenal are all over them. And let's say Spurs beat Liverpool somehow mm. and then, I don't know, draw with Arsenal, then... Then suddenly that that Chelsea game against Leeds is is quite important to them. So, as we said off there, we love football for a reason because it does create amazing results and things we didn't expect. I mean, even last night, I know we're talking about vastly different players in a different circumstance, but <laughs> if, you, if you'd have been given odds on Real Madrid, not not just taking that game to extra time, but winning the tie in the 90th minute, having not had a, a shot on target. I mean, it would have been astronomical odds. So, I mean, th- things can happen in football. It is 11 men on the field, and we have to hope that the Leeds players are galvanised in some way and um, reflected on a piece earlier this week that the likes of Luke Ayling, Calvin Phillips, Rodrigo, the, the three appointed surviving members of the Leadership Council really stand up to be counted and, and somehow drag Leeds through. And, you know, just looking at the Wolves game, we talked about that off air as well. Yes, Wolves had a red card, but who on earth would have seen a 3-2 win coming at half-time? I mean, that mm. f- football does do incredible things on the pitch. And if Everton can beat Chelsea at home with a vociferous home crowd, then, then why can't Leeds? We saw what the 12th man can do on Saturday when they were losing. I mean, the noise was incredible. The best I've probably seen it this season. I know that it, it was quite loud for the Man United game, but on, on Saturday it was it was remarkable, especially when they went you know 2-3 and 4-0 down. So, who knows if Chelsea can have the life scared out of them at Ellen Road on, on that midweek match under the lights, then that may well be the the little bounce they need going into those last two games against Brighton and Brentford, which, of course, on paper are the easier games. But again, as I said, as mid-table teams go on the beach, they are probably the furthest from the beach at the moment because they're both absolutely flying. But you know, who knows? With a couple, couple of more weeks under their belts, hopefully Leeds can catch them cold. Yeah, and it was it was quite interesting as well with the the system, wasn't it? Better at the weekend, I think. You know, when you reflect on the Man City game, it was a bit of a five four one, but it morphed into a three four three. I thought the three four three actually worked. You know, I thought it was quite decent to be quite, you know to be honest with you. I think the only issue with Leeds at the minute, Baron, is you know we're still leaking goals, aren't we? You know, we are still leaking goals, and I guess you know Everton are going up against the the top six, like we saw at the weekend with the Chelsea game, and they're they're managing to get a win and a clean sheet. It's, it's difficult with Leeds at the minute to see us scoring many goals and and keeping many goals out. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't like to uh, to be argumentative, but they've they've obviously conceded four to City, but before that, they've had two clean sheets, haven't they? I mean, sorry, I, meant, I didn't. I, I wasn't clear that. I meant to the the, the top the the top four sides. Yeah, oh, sorry, right, yeah. Not, not clarification yeah, so, there. Yeah, yeah. I think 
the City game certainly shows that there are weaknesses there to be got at and, and ultimately quality can show. Um, but, but this is what Jesse's been talking about in his press conferences. You know, that they, they, he's talked about pragmatism and mm. this need to, um, quite rightly, prioritise results over his wider vision. I'm sure if he had come in in September or October time in a, with a season ahead of him, he'd have a bit more time and, and licence to kind of bed in his system a bit more. But he's having to be pragmatic and he's having to... to um, Prioritise defence over attack in some cases to try and keep keep these sheets clean. So, I wonder if they'll go with the back five again on on Sunday. I do wonder if I mean that City, of course, was the first top six team we've seen Marsh go up against. So mm. Arsenal will be another, and then Chelsea will be another after that. So I do wonder if this is going to be his designated formation against sides that he expects Leeds to to be dominated by. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I agree with you. I think it did work in parts. I mean, Rafinha playing at right back uh, was odd to see, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't ineffective by any means. He did get forward quite a lot in, in the latter stages of the second half and served up a few chances um, into the box. So they've got the personnel to do that still. I mean, if we're if we're assuming Cooper's out, which we don't know yet. I mean, Cooper that'll be clarified tomorrow in the press conference. But should Cooper be out? Um, it hasn't actually been made clear why Urente missed out. I'd seen murmurings that, that there had been sort of talk of a, a knock or something that had kind of put Urente mm. back. But either way, you've got Urente or Cresswell. I know fans are divided and some many, many fans now probably put Cresswell above Urente given how quickly the the Spain international has, has fallen in recent weeks. But either way, my point is the personal is there to, to shift Ailing out to, to right back and bring another centre-back in and play that back five if you wish with, with Firpa, of course, now the only option at left back so and it's away from home so in theory you would think they're going to be even more under the cosh so I wouldn't be surprised to see that um but yeah time will tell on the clean sheets they are going to have to, to, to if they can have any chance at Arsenal they are, they are going to have to keep Arsenal down to a goal or two at most and hopefully they nick something on the break but tough to see isn't it it's really really tough to see as I say the Chelsea game is, is a different cat fish at mode yeah, again, it's a few of your guys' comments. Keep them streaming in. Uh, John Redmond says, no confidence in the team being able to save itself. We're gone, uh, sadly. Well, John, John's a regular with his optimism. Um, <laughs> well-versed with John's post-match for us. Steve disagrees and said it's not over till it's over. Uh, Karen is coming with, uh, we have uh, history, I believe that uh, yeah, is history, uh, of making things hard for ourselves. I'm still clinging on that other results will go our way. Yeah, we'll get onto that in a little bit. Uh, Karen, uh, Robert's coming in uh, coming this comment as well. Southampton versus Brentford at the weekend. Once it's not a draw, it's hard to see the loser of that game get any more points. Uh, I, know on, it, I know it, I know it means on. they need seven points to overtake them, but it's not impossible. Good chance of 40 points. Uh, <laughs> Robert, it's, uh, it's, it's oh a big read. I mean, that would, that would need uh, Southampton and Brentford to... To, to pretty much lose every single game and leads to pick up two wins and a draw, really, because of the so, goal difference. Um, Southampton have only got three games to play, haven't they? So they have, um, yeah. I mean, they're tough yeah, games. So, they're this, uh... so we have got a game in hand on Southampton. They've got Liverpool, which we know they'll lose. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that, that's the thing. I mean, I'm not, I mean, Southampton could well lose the last three, but can you see the others overhauling them? I mean, can you see Leeds picking up the eight points they need to go beyond Southampton? I think that's right, isn't it, Baron? I think Sorry, that's seven that... points. They need seven I... points to go past Southampton because of the goal difference. I think, yeah, I think that's what we're discussing, isn't it? I think the the where realm... are the seven points coming from? Yeah, I think it's the the confusion at the minute. So, I mean, we'll, we can look at the fixtures, we can look at the momentum at the minute between Burnley, Everton, and Leeds. But I think at the minute we're, we're sort of really struggling when it comes to Leeds and and in that final third and being able to 
you know, really finish our finish our chances and all this sort of stuff. I mean, you look at that, the chance at the weekend uh, when Rodrigo was sort of in inside three minutes, it was shades of Steven Gerrard slipping against Chelsea and Denver Bar being in. Um, and I know a lot of City, City fans who I know were covering their eyes at that point, but we weren't able to take our chance. Whereas, you know, uh, Aspilicueta makes a mistake against Everton and then Everton pounce on that mistake and score a goal. So, it is just being clinical at the minute in front of goal. I mean, I mean, obviously we don't know the news with Patrick Bamford at the minute. Do you, do you expect that he's going to have a big say with with sort of three to four games to go, Baron? We're hoping so, aren't we? I mean that. I mean, it's, I'm pleased you've you mentioned him because that is the silver lining we're all looking at and just praying for. And it's amazing. I've, I've put this in the piece as well a few weeks ago. But when Jesse had first told us that, that Bamford had a chance for the last two, we were thinking, right, don't rush him back. We're going to be fine. Let's just let him have a proper close season, like get his feet up, get him rested and get him ready for next season and give him a chance of going to the World Cup. But it's amazing how desperate we've become, isn't it? Like we are yeah. clinging on to any any shred of hope that he makes about for those last two. Um, I'd have a one-legged Bamford right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and to be fair, that's, what we, that's where we might be at. I mean... He full he could well get back into full training before before the Brighton game, which, which yeah. I think we're, we're still hoping for. I think Arsenal and Chelsea will come too soon for him. But mm. if he were to play, then we are still looking at a very rusty Bamford, who I'm sure Marcelo would, would probably wouldn't have wouldn't have wanted to play. But I think Jesse's probably not have much choice. So, like you say, it's just somebody in the box, isn't it? I mean, I still look back on that first half against Norwich that he yeah. played, and we looked like a team transformed. I know it was Norwich, but they did just look so much more coherent and cogent in attack and. The patterns of play works much better having that focal point. Um, so, yeah, like you say, I would take a half-fit, rusty Bamford just to have somebody with that um, innate ability, that sort of uh, instinct in the penalty box just to, just to be, put himself in the right place at the right time and then be able to stick a leg out and stick the ball in the net because that could be what it comes down to in those last two games. Yeah, uh, Darren's uh, coming with a comment as well. Not strengthening the squad in January is a big mistake. Fault lies with Radrizzani. Kyle has said something similar. Uh, all this is solely on the board. I mean, I, I think there is a lot of... I mean, Tommy Hansen has also come in and said, uh, would Lewis O'Brien have, have kept us out of this dump? I mean, it would have been more depth, 100%, but I guess you can't really answer that question. It's all it's hypothetical, isn't it? But there's a lot of frustration at... At the board at the minute, Baron, and, and obviously we're not we're not talking on conclusions here because Leeds United could stay in the Premier League. Of course we can, um, but there is an underlying frustration at the minute um, buried with a lot of Leeds fans, isn't there? I think we can all detect that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of finger pointing at the moment um, since Saturday. I think as uh, as I say, even during the the City game on Saturday, the, the talk of the goal difference has really sort of rubbed people up and, and had a few fingers pointing at Marcelo because of the goal difference and course conceding 20 goals in his last five games I mean that that will play a factor I mean that clearly mm. does play a factor with 19 goals behind Burnley so um there will be a lot of recriminations and, and inquests I don't think we're quite at that point yet and I'm sure when, when the season ends we will have a, a full digest of where things have gone wrong and where things mm. should have gone better which clearly they have I mean whether they stay up or not this has not been a particularly fun season and there are <laughs> a lot of lessons to be learned so yeah clearly at the moment there are a lot of frustrated people and a lot of finger pointing which is quite natural because uh, obviously the fans are very, very passionate about their club, um, especially those that are paying to go to these games and are watching what's on the pitch at the moment. So the, the time will come for those decisions um, and those um, those evaluations, won't they? But yeah, quite rightly, people are very frustrated with, with the board. But yeah, I think I think Marcelo has played a part in that um, and his role in what has been a, a glorious area for the club. But but clearly there are, has been various factors that have just got away from from the club and from him. 
before um, before he left. Momentum is something that we've spoken about. Um, Burnley have won four games out of six, which really has put the cat amongst the pigeons. I think that's something that has really, well, in this in this period of games, it's it's crippled Leeds a little bit, hasn't it? Because we've been on a decent run, really, under Jesse Marsh. When you look at the points total, but Burnley's run has really come out of absolute absolutely nowhere. And me and you were just discussing it off air. It, it does bear a resemblance to that Sheffield United run, doesn't it? Towards the end of that Championship campaign and Bielsa's first season. Yeah, I guess I guess my question is, Baron. With the caliber of Burnley's squad, obviously with the new management, this isn't prime Barcelona we're talking about. This isn't prime Real Madrid we're talking about. Can Burnley realistically keep this up for the next four games? Do you think? You would hope not, wouldn't you? Um, I think when I, I looked into it, there's I think they they won four of their first twenty eight games, and then mm-hmm. they've then gone and won four of the last six, which is just <laughs> crazy, crazy turnaround, isn't it? I mean, just none of us ever saw that coming, to be honest. So you would think that. On the balance of probabilities, is that clearly they're, they're they're performing well, well above par at the moment, and are playing far beyond their capabilities as the previous few years have shown under Sean Dyche. So you would think at some point it will level out, and they will regress to their mean, and, and their mean, as the table shows, is a bottom four, bottom five club. So if we're getting into their fixtures now, I mean, I, th- I think we're all looking at that Spurs away game and praying that's going to be nil point and that's you the think weekend. So, wouldn't you? I mean, think that, so. that's the same weekend Leeds play Brighton, isn't it? So yeah. if Leeds were to beat Brighton, which I think, I think they need to, don't they? I think if, if we are, if we are looking yeah. at, the, at the fixtures and the points needed, Brighton at home has got to be three points for Leeds. Yeah. So that's clearly three points that Leeds, you would hope, can can, can pull back directly on Burnley mm-hmm. if they lose at Spurs. Villa is very much an unknown quantity. I think they are straying into distracted on the beach territory, which is a worry because, of course, the gods of football have decided that Burnley get to play that on the beach team twice. Twice. Which is just, again, sums up the the chaotic fixture list this season with with COVID and various things, which I I know that obviously nobody's to blame for. But it's just the way the gods of football have handed down Burnley's fixtures in that way. And then Newcastle on the last day, I mean... With the way the table is, I think at this stage we're probably hoping it goes to the last day with, with the way that the table is yeah. going and the momentum is. I think we're all hoping that that Brentford game is alive. Um, obviously, before that would be nice if it was dead by then and, and Leeds are safe and somebody else has, has completely capitulated. But based on how Burnley and Everton are going, it looks like these are going to need to go to Brentford and get, get a win again. It looks like that's going to be a need for three points. So Burnley at home to Newcastle on the last day. Yeah, Newcastle, in theory, not much to play for beyond prize money and, and league position. But as, as you said off air, there is this uh, narrative around Newcastle's players. And you know, as we've seen, in terms of the calendar year, I think only Liverpool have picked up more points or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Newcastle yeah, yeah. in the calendar year are the, at the very top of the league. So you would hope that, that they haven't run out of steam by then, Newcastle, and they can go to Turf Moor and get something. Um, though I, I do completely take the point that it's Turf Moor and that place will be, will be well up for it, won't they? So... It's tough, yeah. It's tough to see, but I think, yeah, you're looking at the Spurs and Newcastle games as the two of their four, where you hope they 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 can lose. Uh, Dean's in the building. He says uh, need to start Joffy from the off on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we saw the the Rodrigo experiment not work up front again, which we've seen too many times. Obviously, this is dependent on Bamford, isn't it? Baron, if Bamford is back, then obviously slot straight in, but um. Daniel James up front, we know he, he presses, but he's been quite vocal, hasn't he? Allegedly to, to Jesse Marsh and saying that, you know, it's not his preferred position playing up front. 
but and he hasn't scored in in 12 games i believe the statistic i saw this week so is it almost a you just have to start Joffy now you know if Bamford's not there we have to have a focal point i feel like i've been saying that for weeks though haven't we i think yeah. um the Palace game, I think, showed that, that Joffy didn't have much of an impact that night. And that was probably a mm. night where he came away thinking that maybe Joffy isn't the answer or mm. that particular night just wasn't good for him. But yeah, on Saturday, he came on and, and he did well again. He had half mm. an hour. Uh, it's obviously a very, very good uh, Manchester City side. And whilst he didn't get a goal, it was an incredible save from Edison. If Ed- I'm sure most people have seen it by now, but an astonishing save by Edison from point blank range. I mean, you probably look at Joffy, probably he's kicking himself. Joffy's probably thinking, if I put it anywhere else, it's a goal um, from that range. But he just put it within within sort of um, reach of Edison's leg. So I think that there, there is, again, a lot of merit to playing Joffy from the start. And I think we all hope that on the balance of play, we hope he does play. I think there's more pros than cons to bring Joffy in for, for Dan James. But yeah, we, we've, seen, we, we've been saying this for weeks, haven't we? And Marsh has been saying it himself. But hopefully Joffy's finally getting this, this running training that, that Marsh wants to see from him. I think fans are quite confused. Is it a is it a selection, you know, a tactical selection thing, or is it because he's been carrying niggles? Because that seems to have been a little bit of a murmuring as well. I think against City it was probably tactical. I think Gellhart probably was fit enough and sharp enough to start that game. But but Marsh had spoken um, post Palace pre City about how Leeds had actually regressed when James went off the pitch at Selhurst Park. The, the the press began to fail and Palace had more time on the ball to actually create problems for Leeds. So I think we all suspected that James would continue because of the way Marsh had spoken about uh, about how well Dan James had done off the ball. Hmm. So I think it was probably tactical against City. But prior to that, certainly, I mean, looking back... Um, so it was after Norwich, wasn't it? Marsh was saying that, that Joffrey was probably going to start at Wolves. And then again, Southampton was a, was a few weeks later. But they were the games that, that he was probably right in the reckoning to start mm. because of, as you've said, the momentum. But I think it was injuries and niggles there that were stopping him from training enough. Um, yeah. There was that false positive COVID test as well that, that, that Marsh had mentioned, I think, after the Southampton game. Yeah. So there have been some reasons that have that forced Marsh's hand. But I would like to think that going into Arsenal, James's Gellhart uh, is hopefully in the frame to start, but I just I, I, you look back at Marsh's comments and it's hard to see why he wouldn't start James because he, he likes his pressing again in this in a fixture where Arsenal are going to want to play out from the back. It's a very difficult thing to to grasp, though, isn't it, Baron? Because as a as a as a Leeds fan, it's like you know. When you, a striker needs to be started there. And I understand there's the press. I understand there's the, the unit. I get that. But it's a real conflict, isn't it? It's you've got a but you've got a striker there who is clearly high caliber. Uh, you know, I know he's a youngster, but you know, he's uh, obviously Victor Otter had to do a lot to get over the line when he's been involved in the lead setup. I think his contributions per minute have been fantastic, really. Yeah. Um, and you do think to yourself, like, okay, there is the press, I understand that. And then I guess it, it becomes system over the individual quality, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd like Gallagher to start. I mean, I think that's that's the way a lot of us would like to go. Just trying to um, trying to sort of put some flesh on the bones as to why um, why Marsh might do it. But I agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they need goals. They need to have some kind of rhythm and attack. And I think they they have probably looked more potent and most potent when gellhart has been on the pitch. Um, his link up play with Rafinha has been decent mm. um, when they've played together. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole attack just seems to be struggling a little bit. Maybe getting a striker in there and Gellhart's shape might change things, but I think we're all just gagging for Bamford, aren't we? I think Bamford is the focal point we want to see in attack. But Rodrigo, Harrison, they're not playing particularly well either. 
um, maybe it does take a striker to, to change everybody's fortunes. It's got to be a bit of motivation for Bamford, right, Aaron? Could it be the saviour for this club? It's almost oh, like it's going to have that, that promotion feel about it if we manage to stay up this season. Bamford will be thoroughly motivated. I mean, you, all you have to do is read his comments from, from the previous injury or injuries. You know, he's had, he's had several successive injuries this year that have consistently put him back and, and put him out of action and put him back in his timeline. And, and he persistently talked about how desperate he is to get back and play it and to help the team. And I think ultimately that's why he re-injured himself and, and, and hurt himself at Wolves in the way he did because he was so desperate to play. I think he'd mm. said that in his heart of hearts, he shouldn't have played that Wolves game, but he wanted to help the team and didn't want to let anybody down because he, he'd seen how excited everybody was about his impact. And ultimately he's then gone and, and completely snapped the, the injury and, and put himself out. We saw the tears in the dugout. So there's no doubting Bamford will love that narrative and love the idea of being the man to come in and save Leeds and will be doing everything he can and, if we if we listen to what Jesse has been saying, then then hopefully Patrick remains on track to play in those in those last two games. But yeah, there's no doubt at all that, that he will be completely focused on, on on trying to have some kind of impact before the season finishes. Yep, uh, guys, there's a few uh, comments coming in about the the board and and what's going on up top. And and as sort of Barron's alluded to, that's probably a, a, an evaluation that that we make potentially on a video at the end of the season. So uh, we'll wait for that one. Um. We need goals, not press, says Dan Says Dan Clayden. Uh, John Dye has come in and said Joffy up front. James Wright, Harrison left. Uh, play Raf, give him a free role, influence the game. Okay, so is that sort of... Dropping uh, drop Rodrigo. Is that, yeah, 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 dropping Rodrigo. Interesting. Uh, yeah, he's not been at his, at his best, has he, Rodrigo Baron over the past sort of couple of games. We've seen a little bit of a dip. It's... it's... So football, isn't it, that things change so quickly because he was the talisman after Watford. You know, you're looking yeah. at he scored um it was three goals, was it? Was it three or he scored the first goal against Norwich, which got the ball rolling and what was yeah. a, a pretty solid performance, especially in the first half. He then scores in the in the Wolves game and plays his part in that dramatic comeback. And then of course he scores um against Watford, puts himself in the right place at the right time to capitalise on a defensive error at Watford. So he goes from being the guy that was at his lowest ebb at Villa, uh, in mm. the Villa game, sorry, um, has those private talks with Jesse Marsh about the leadership council and, and what they want to get out of him. He's a record signing. How can they make this work? Has that little spurt of of goals and performances and, and uptick. And then it's Palace and City is completely anonymous, um, which kind of sums up his his entire tenure at Leeds so far, really. Um, just hasn't really got going for him. I think injuries and COVID have played their part, especially in his first season. Um, but ultimately, yeah, there are still major, major questions about about his impact on this team and his and his input. Mm. When he's when he's good, I think he's brilliant, and I think you mm. can you could see his Premier League quality, especially last season, as Leeds made that step up. You, you could tell he was just a half a yard ahead in in some instances. But in recent weeks, you know, with, with the amount of injuries they've got, they need players like Rodrigo to almost be carrying the team. You know, with the amount of money they're spent on him and his experience and his undoubted quality as a Spain international. He's got to be running these games and, and making things happen. You know, look at look at some of the better playmakers in the league. And Rodrigo's got to be that guy. He's got to be making things happen for the team, um, and, it, and it just hasn't happened. You know, in the final third in recent weeks, it's just it's just not been good enough at all. I think it's pretty evident, Baron, isn't it? I mean, I think Everton have, have taken twelve points off the the top four. Burnley have taken six points off the top four. With Leeds' games coming up. Um, it, it might be the the story of the season. Really, Leeds is is 
well, non-ability to pick anything up against the top four. That that just simply has to change, doesn't it? It's been a massive failing this year. It's something last season which leads pride pride themselves on, really, Baron. You know, you look at the the wins away at City and the the win at home against Tottenham, drawing against Arsenal, you know, Man United and and Liverpool. This season, we've really, really struggled, haven't we, to pick anything up against the the top four, and it has been the difference, really, when you look at the points accrued from from Burnley and Everton. Yeah, I think um, this time last year we, we were looking at, at I mean, at the the Brighton loss aside, it was an amazing run of um, of performances to finish last season off with you know, a complete carnival atmosphere through all of these games. You've know, been um, separate and beaten runs of five and six games, didn't they? Either side of the Brighton loss. Um, which included the top six. You know, they they were abs- they were incredible against the top six home and away throughout last season. Um, aside from one or two blips, um, like Arsenal away. Um, but yeah, Everton have just showed the difference. Um, they beat Chelsea at home the other day when they absolutely needed to. They capitalised on that mistake from Aspilicueta. And ultimately, when you look at the table and who deserves to stay up and go down, you, you can look at that one result and say, okay, Everton beat Chelsea at home. If Leeds then don't match that result then the, the table would show that, that Everton would be above Leeds if you, if you catch my drift. So if, if Everton can beat Chelsea at home and Leeds can't, and that's another tick in Everton's column for staying up and Leeds going down. So it, it's an ideal example. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a carbon copy. It's the very same fixture that Everton have won and Leeds, Leeds needs to go and match that, um, which, which they absolutely can do. Um, mm. As I say, we have seen some, some strange results this season. Leeds are still waiting for that big, season-defining result against one of the top six. I think West Ham away remains sort of mm. the most impressive win of the season in terms of taking their scalp. It hasn't been there against the big clubs this season. So, as I've said already, at Ellen Road, under the lights, a few days before the FA Cup final, it's got to be a big opportunity for Leeds and one they absolutely have to take, as Everton did. As indeed. I'm going to push you for something, Baron. I'm going to push you for a score prediction and I'm going to write it down and we're going to revisit it. So everybody in the comment section below, get your score predictions in. Obviously Leeds travel to London on a Baron travels to London, more importantly, um, Sunday, two o'clock kickoff. Um, huge game for Leeds United. I tell you what, Baron, I tell you what, if they could even just grab a point out of this, I mean, what a result that would be. Um, I mean, obviously that is, I'm going on the thought process of, uh, you know, anything can happen in football and it's why we love it. Um, but, I mean, it'd be huge, wouldn't it? It'd be huge. Yeah, just just massive. Just On the anniversary as well, Baron. Mark, Mark Viduka scoring at Highbury as well uh, to, to keep Leeds up. In well, I think they need, they need Mark Viduka, don't they, right now? I mean, <laughs> can, we, can we wheel him out as a target man and just play balls off? Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's a big, big ask. Arsenal are absolutely flying, aren't they? Mm. There hasn't really been enough from Leeds and Demarche to believe that they're capable of a result like that. So it would be completely out of the ordinary. They're now missing Dallas. They might be missing Cooper. Um, you, know, it's tough. you look at Arsenal's, they beat Man United at home. They, lo- they lost to Brighton at home. They lost to Liverpool at home. But then you know, they beat Leicester. They beat Wolves. They beat Brentford. They drew with Burnley at home. I mean, if you want another example of what one of Leeds' rivals has done, they went to the Emirates in late January and drew 0-0. Um, these are the kinds of points that these teams are picking up and Leeds need to match it. So it's tough to see. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm going 2-1 Arsenal or even 3-1 Arsenal. I just, it's really hard to see it at the moment. Um, and I'd obviously be delighted if I'm proved wrong. Um, 1-1 would be absolutely incredible. 0-0 would be even better to keep a clean sheet. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know what I don't know what else I can say. I, I think I'd be lying to people. I mean, the form book for these two sides is entirely different, and, and mm. Arsenal are motivated. I mean, it's not even a team on the beach. They are. Mm. They need to. Arsenal need to win. They're at home. There's a feel good factor around the Emirates Stadium at the moment, um, and Leeds. You know, Leeds are missing. Going to be missing last year's Player of the Year and possibly their captain. Yeah, I mean, Steve sort of highlighted it quite well here. I don't think we have enough up front, yeah. unfortunately, to show. And that is it, isn't it? It just seems even if, very... do, yeah, even if they do turn over Arsenal in transition and get up the pitch, um, unless they do get a, sort of a massive overload, like three against two or something, mm-hmm. it's just hard to see how it's how it's clicking in the final third leads to even carve Arsenal open. Mm, definitely, definitely. I mean, even a nil-nil, we take a nil-nil. I mean, we Leeds don't have to carve them open to get a nil-nil, but then you, you, you're keeping Arsenal down, aren't you, to, to no goals at the Emirates, which would be... It'd be some task, but, you know, we've seen stranger things happen, as you say, Baron. I mean, back in, what was it, January, February, when Burnley kept them to a clean sheet. Um, I mean, Leeds have, I mean, the, 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 there's not a, a huge calibre difference between Burnley and Leeds United. Oh, no. Um, so, so who knows, who knows? But... It's just they've got, they've got the momentum. They've, they've got that camaraderie. They've got that feel-good feeling. They've, they've, they had the yeah. massive hurdle and the obstacle of losing Sean Dyche and the psychological burden of worrying can we do anything without Sean? And now the manager's gone, are we, mm. are we done? And they've proven emphatically that they can get results without Sean Dyche. They've, they've cleared that psychological barrier and they're now mm. flying. I mean, they, they, they will feel so positive going into every single game with mm. the team ethic and the camaraderie they've got. We've just got to hope that ultimately they run out of ideas and as I said, as I said earlier, revert to the mean because they are, they, they are a bottom five, they are a bottom five club. And Baron, can we ultimately have a Premier League with Bournemouth, Fulham, Brentford, Brighton and Burnley in their next season. It shouldn't be allowed, should it? It's unethical, isn't it? Especially with, with Bournemouth doing Forest. I mean, I think we all want Forest to get back up as a traditional sort of big, big city club. Um, but oh. Bournemouth doing any of the night, I mean, yeah, it's, it could be a little bit light in that bottom half again next year if, um, if some of the big guns um, do go. I think so. I think so. Well, guys, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining. We've had a fair few of you in. Um, I was going to say lunchtime. Might be some people's lunchtime. Um, I mean, still. Yeah, me too. So there we go. I'll call it lunchtime. But thank you so much for joining. Um, make sure you head over to our website and all of our social medias to check out all the preamble um, for the Arsenal game at the weekend. Baron, thanks for joining me, mate. It's gonna. And we'll see you in a bit, guys. Cheers. <laughs>